Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. Today's guest is Chad from a company called Mental Joe. Don't worry, it is not a supplement company. And uh, side note here, I had asked for people to reach out about the podcast. I still want that. I want that all year long. Please reach out at Living with the Kingsburys on Kingsboo or at Kingsboo on Twitter. And tell us what you like about the podcast and what you want to hear more of and what you want to hear less of. Totally cool. Um, we had our first response that I saw uh, said more on lifestyle, spirituality, uh, mobility, optimization, less supplement owners or less supplement companies. So totally get that. Um, I've appreciated having supplement guys on in the past because I too was a supplement guy working in that industry and I'm still fascinated by the latest, greatest shit that comes out. So the people that I do have on, I do really appreciate what they're doing in the game and they know it inside and out. Catherine Arnstrom was one of those from uh, Energy Bits. So I'll talk about her in a minute, but um, that lands for me. And the more feedback I get like that, the better, because then you guys will get to hear the guests that you actually want. And uh, I'm excited to do that. I mean, I think there's a giant world full of people and an infinite number of people to podcast with. So help me steer the ship and, uh, and I'll find awesome people within what we're all looking for here. So appreciate that feedback big time. Uh, Chad is awesome. I heard about him through my homie, John Cal Callahan and a former veteran who had uh, a fucking really interesting career in armed forces and uh, really sought out plant medicines to help him. And we've had a few guys on from military backgrounds. Johnny Wilson comes to mind, a former Navy SEAL, and many others that have healed themselves in that way. Each story is unique, and it doesn't get old for me at all because of the uniqueness of each person the uniqueness of a military career in and of itself is fucking wild to me. And um, the fact that there is healing found with these modalities is really fucking powerful to me. I love that story because that is a similar story to how I live and what's helped me out most in life. So I know you guys are going to dig this one. Chad's story is fucking awesome. And what they're doing in the world with Mental Joe is even more awesome. Um, just fucking rad. I don't want to give anything away. You guys obviously love this podcast. Tell me what you think of this podcast and reach out mentaljoe.com. Reach out to Chad. Thank him. You will want to. And if you need help um, figuring shit out, he's a great resource. So support this show by sending it far and wide with homies. Um, just friends you know that listen to podcasts. Share it with a friend that listens to the podcast. Share it with somebody from the military. Share it with somebody who is curious about plant medicines and, and you can hear uh, the N equals one of Chad, which is really phenomenal. And then after that, support our sponsors. They make this show possible. They keep the lights on. They keep it running. And I absolutely love these guys. Every one of these sponsors has been with us um, either for a short time or a long time, but they're absolutely incredible. Energy Bits is a new one. And as I was talking about Catherine Arnston, who came on my podcast, we'll link to that podcast in the show notes. She is a fucking encyclopedia on mitochondrial health and really how algae pertains to that. Mental health is essential, but protecting it has been elusive. This all changed thanks to Dr. Chris Palmer's new book, Brain Energy, where he shows why all mental health disorders are a result of damaged mitochondria. Mental health requires you to heal and restore your mitochondria, and I agree. That's why I wanted you to know about Energy Bits. Their algae tablets contain nutrients like superoxide dismutase, phycocyanin, and glutathione that are proven to heal, restore, and protect the mitochondria. Yes, even in the brain. The science about this is provocative and plentiful, 
but algae's role in restoring mitochondria has been virtually unknown until now. And if you listen to the podcast with Catherine, you'll, she's going to deep dive it. Energy Bits founder Catherine Arnston has spent 13 years researching algae, and she recently made a startling discovery. Science and nature have conspired to protect your brain and mitochondria with the oldest life on earth, algae. Amazingly, mitochondria even evolved from algae, but that's another story. It's documented in evolutionary science called endosymbiotic theory. There's a link to that if you want it as well. Bottom line, mitochondria are essential for your mental health and Energy Bits algae tablets can help you achieve it. You can purchase Energy Bits algae tablets online at www.energybits.com and use my discount code KKP for 20% off everything. And that's a no-brainer. Check out KKP episode 330 with Catherine Arnston to learn all about Energy Bits. This has truly been one of the most game-changing supplements that I've that I've taken the last three or four years, probably since you know uh, ketones became more readily available. And I say that uh, not loosely. There are there are a thousand different things we try to do to enhance mitochondria, from cold plunges to sauna to to. Uh, high intensity intervals to long, slow nose breathing workouts, the fucking everything in between. We're always working on these things. What is the energy system that gets everything going? And not just brain and heart for energy and cognitive function and cardio, but also muscle. How can I increase strength and last longer in the mat or last longer in jujitsu or last longer in the boxing gym? All of that comes down to mitochondria and their function. But just as much as the muscle, the brain and the heart have more mitochondria than anywhere else in the body. And if we want to increase cognitive power, our ability to stay and grind through something, our ability to learn, we need to increase the mitochondria and make them more effective. And optimizing mitochondria in your brain is, it is a no-brainer, but it's incredibly easy to do with energy bits. And once you understand the science behind it, which is why I had her on, it, it, it's very easy to grasp. And this shit is incredible. If I, if I get tired in the afternoon, early afternoon, I'm not reaching for caffeine anymore. I'll have 15 to 20 energy bits and I'm ready to rock and roll for the whole rest of the day. It is that good. Don't take my word for it. Check it out for yourself, energybits.com. Don't forget the code KKP at checkout. We're also brought to you today by paleovalley.com. Enter Kyle at checkout, K-Y-L-E. You're going to get 15% off everything in the store. These guys have been one of our longest sponsors for a reason. They have phenomenal products. And uh, I've been talking to you guys about their beef sticks. They're an absolute must-have. As we clear out the pantry at the end of the year, you got to stock it with healthy stuff that's convenient. It's the only way you can stay on track. You got a New Year's resolution? I guarantee you it's going to fall into uh, some type of improving work output, improving your uh, work-rest ratio, work-rest relationship, maybe doing better in the gym, being more consistent. All of these things, that all the habits from atomic habits come back to the very basic building blocks. Are you taking care of yourself? Do you sleep enough? Are you putting the right food for, in your body? All that matters. That's it. Dr. Jack Cruz, I'm going to get him on the podcast. He really hammers that. Sunlight in the morning, cold baths, uh, really good food, right? Meaning regenerative beef, regenerative animals that are healing the environment, but also healing for you. And Paleo Valley is all about it. They even have a phenomenal maple bacon pork stick that is, I'm looking at the, the, the picture of it right now on paleovalley.com and salivating. It is incredible. The maple bacon pork stick is incredible. And they have so many products like that. The jalapeno beef is my absolute favorite. It's a must-have. In addition to that, they have so many great other little supplement products that I, that I love. Neuro Effect, 
apple cider vinegar complex, which supports blood sugar, crush cravings, and boosts fat loss. It's also great for immune function. Essential C complex with natural vitamin C for a strong supported immune system. All this stuff is a must-have in the wintertime, and it's a must-have when you're traveling. Bolster your immunity, bolster your diet, make sure you're locking in everything and making it easy and convenient for yourself. Go to paleovalley.com and use code word Kyle at checkout for 15% off. We're also brought to you today by Lucy.co. Lucy.co is one of my longest running sponsors. Break up your dusty gas station pouches and go to Lucy.co slash KKP and use promo code KKP to get 20% off your first order. Lucy offers free shipping and is a 30-day refund policy if you change your mind. That's L-U-C-Y-O. That's L-U-C-Y dot C-O and use promo code KKP to get 20% off. And as always, free shipping. If you know what your pouch is, you know that nicotine doesn't hit immediately and neither does the flavor. The geniuses at Lucy came up with a brilliant way to fix both those problems. They put a mini liquid capsule inside their breaker's pouch. And here's what you do. Grab a breaker's pouch and break the capsule. Yes, with your teeth. It makes a really satisfying pop. Put it in your lip and enjoy the immediate nicotine and flavor release. Nobody is doing anything like this except for Lucy. It's a new kind of pouch technology and it's only available from Lucy. No more sandpaper pouches drying out your mouth. No more weak flavors that don't last. Breakers are different. Breakers come in four or eight milligrams of 100% pure nicotine. Six delicious flavors from apple ice to espresso and classics like mint or mango. Mint is always a classic. You want to throw a breath mint in and you want to boost your brain, check out lucy.co. Then I have to read this verbatim. And here comes the fine print. Lucy products are only for adults of legal age and every order is age verified. Warning, this product contains nicotine Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Thank you to Lucy. You guys got to try this if you haven't tried it before. As I've mentioned many times on this podcast, nicotine is one of the most effective nootropics on the planet. And your body actually has receptor sites for it right in the brain that take this in and then ping, you feel good. There's a euphoria, you're relaxed, but you're also switched on. And that's super important for book reading, super important for, for if I'm listening to something on Audible or podcasts that I actually need to study. Nicotine is an excellent accoutrement for me to be able to have the very best learning experience possible. And when I'm studying for anything or regurgitating it via this podcast, nicotine is a must-have. Check it out at lucy.co and remember promo code KKP at checkout. Last but not least, we're brought to you by my homies at organifi.com slash KKP. Remember to use code KKP for 20% off everything in their store. Normally, I talk about the Sunrise to Sunset kit and how awesome the red, the green, and the gold juices are. But today, we're going to focus on their new product, Shilajit Gummies. These are sourced directly from the Himalayas. These are sourced directly from the Himalayas, home of the world's finest Shilajit. It's heavily tested for metals, pun intended. Rich in antioxidants that help fight free radicals. It can support gut health and nourish the digestive tract by promoting the growth of beneficial bacteria. It improves the permeability of cell membranes and helps to better absorb and enhance nutrient absorption, can support detoxification, can enhance energy levels and overall vitality. It does both for damn sure, and it has anti-inflammatory properties. There's substantiated benefits to this as well. It supports healthy testosterone levels, supports bone and muscle health, aids in cellular energy and mitochondrial health slash ATP, cellular ATP, and decreases fatigue. Of course, the decreasing fatigue happens via the mitochondrial health and cellular ATP. I got to tell you, this is the most convenient way to consume Shilajit. I've been dabbling with this for the last few years. A lot of it's like a thick, black, gooey paste that you got to mix in with some hot beverage or suck on it, and it tastes like charcoal. 
not the best experience. The Shilajit gummies are incredibly, incredibly convenient. They're super high flavor. And when you pop them, nothing gets stuck to your fingers. You put a, I just pop in two to four at a time. And I have that two or three times a day, honestly. I get an absolute boost without any jitters, without any over the top, oh God, I've got anxiety. Just natural energy that comes from within, that's balancing to the body. And it's a fantastic product. If you haven't tried these, try them now. Go to Organifi.com slash KKP. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com slash KKP. Pick up two or three bags of this stuff. You're for sure going to want to keep more of this in the kitchen. And then use code KKP for 20% off. And without further ado, my brother, Chad. <laughs> Clap us in. The dog gets scared. You're okay, Guapo. Come here, boy. The old sound check. Yes, sir. Well, let's jump into it, brother. You Tell me, I, I mean, we met through the homie Cal, John Callahan, who's been on this podcast a handful of times. Uh, one of the first homies I met in moving to Austin and working with Aubrey. Um, I've told that story a number of times on this podcast, and he's been on it. But, um, you know, Cal's one of those guys where if he intros me to somebody, like, I, I immediately pay attention. You yeah. know, and I think right when he introed us, I didn't quite have the bandwidth. And... um you sent me out some swag and then I fucking remembered and I was like, oh damn, I need to do this. <laughs> and I was thrilled that you were going to fly in for it because yeah. it's not always the case. You know, a lot of people are busy or don't just don't have the bandwidth to do that. So I appreciate yeah. you coming out to the farm. I'm excited to show you around. Yeah, I'm excited to be here and I, I kind of feel the same way. It's like I got to break bread, right? We can <laughs> do the whole fucking Zoom thing all day long. I just, I don't, I don't feel that. So it's like, let's, let's be in person. Let's, let's see what it's about. Let's get after it that way. Cause you can do the zoom shit all day. Everyone yeah. does it. And I'm not a fan and of I, it. Man, I appreciate it. If I'm with somebody like Dick David Ikes across the pond, I'm not flying to fucking England anytime soon. Correct. Yeah. Cool. We make that work, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, certain little, some of the other old timers are great. Sean O'Leary who wrote setting God free fucking amazing book on uh, spirituality, 48 year Catholic priest in Ireland. Oh, shit. And now has studied Eastern mysticism and fucking all sorts of cool shit. And he, yeah. he's, he's dialed the fuck in. Uh, he doesn't do too much traveling, but still worth it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And then face-to-face is just night and day better. There's no, yep. there's no question about that. So I appreciate that. The show usually rolls, if, I mean, fucking, if you're listening to this, everybody knows how the show rolls, but I, I love the arc of, you know, what was life like growing up? what got you to become who you are. Yeah. And obviously you've got a, a fucking great story. So I want to dive into that deeply. And yep. then, you know, we finish off with where we're at today and what you're doing in the world, which yeah. is awesome. I appreciate it. I yeah, appreciate brother. it. Yeah. So we'll just, yeah, we'll dive into it. So I'm a middle child of, of three. I've got an older brother, younger sister. Um, and then my mom and dad uh, divorced at a very young age. Uh, my dad, alcoholic, abusive, grew up extremely poor, you know, standing in line for, for food and had the good old government punch stamp, you know, for lunches and stuff. From, before like the e, e, E-Beat cards or whatever? Yeah, correct. I mean, I had the Monopoly money and going and buying milk and shit. <laughs> and, and then at school, you know, I had the, the punch card and stuff, mm-hmm. you know, that was free government meals. And But yeah, grew up in Billings, Montana. Um, oh no shit. Yeah. I was just out there with Bear. Okay. I don't want to cut you off, but yeah. I was like, I know Billings. And I yes. think somebody mentioned somewhere in Wyoming or, or Montana, 
Yeah. I have a reference point now. We've been there twice, but keep going. Yeah. Phenomenal so, food. It was really weird how good the food was in Billings. Was really like, weird. That, yeah. Not expecting this at all. We made <laughs> a point all. to stop there on the way back too. Yeah. So when I grew up, Billings was roughly 80 to probably 85,000. So in general, you know, small town, but the so-called big city up there in Montana. Yeah. So grew up being a Montana kid. <clears throat> had an uncle. I had a huge ranch up in Scobie, Montana, which is up on the High Line, just really close to, to Canada okay. and stuff. So we'd go is up further there. west or or central. It's it's pro it's more east. Okay, so, so it, just it, north of Billings then. Yeah, like if okay. you could, it's kind of a straight shot up. If you could, you know, go the way of the crow flies. Okay, so we would go up there, and I really loved it. He was he was a gentleman that I really looked up to because I didn't have that in my life. Right, didn't really have a dad to look up to and and whatnot, but. Was was the middle child? Was kind of the troublemaker? Was kind of the fence rider? Was kind of like let's let's test everything I can? And the mom kind of raised us with an iron fist, you know, being a single mom, and she's got three and four different jobs, and you know, I would go out at night and clean offices and shit with her, you know. So grew up extremely poor. Um, to the fact we kind of joke about it. There's a little quick mart that was at the end of the block, and what we had <laughs> no bullshit. What we would do is the Frito-Lay guy would come down the alley and we'd always get a little little bit of a honk. And so we'd run down there and they would throw the day-old shit in the trash can. So then I would jump in the trash can. I'm throwing it out the other side as he's throwing it in. My brother and sister are grabbing it and they're running it back to the house. So then we'd just load up the pantry with, you know, Fritos, Doritos, whatever the hell we could get <laughs> okay. our hands on. It was fucking free. You're, you're, so the, I was only, like, you're the only, you're the second person now. My wife is the only dumpster diver I've ever met. She's a well, dumpster dive in college and Flagstaff. And yep. I'm like, you're a gangster. You're cut from a different cloth. Yep. <laughs> so we, I, you know, that was kind of the thing. And I'd always use the chips as the negotiating tool to get some chocolate milk, you know, back Back in the day, but group again, just grew up extremely poor. It, it, you know, it sucks. You know, as I've gone through this stuff, I've realized, right. It, what I learned from my parents is they didn't have the skill set, They didn't have the bandwidth. They didn't have the knowledge to, you know, be there present. Like I said, my dad, you know, he, sadly he came from a home that was, you know, I think abusive and verbally abusive and his dad was an alcoholic as well. So there you go with the generational trauma. We're just going to keep carrying this shit forward. Right. So went to high, you know, went into high school, went to Billing Senior High. If you drove there, it's right on, right on Grand Avenue. And, uh, you know, wasn't much of an, I mean, I was a good athlete, but I wasn't, I wasn't a home run. Right. So I was really, believe it or not, I was actually a pretty good little wrestler, um, all the way up to about the eighth grade. I took city my seventh grade year and then my eighth grade year I ended up breaking my hand in a little fight with my brother. And I can still remember the coach at my junior high being pissed off because he knew he like, there's a possibility I probably was going to take city again and then get into high school. And I couldn't have been more than a buck 10. I mean, I was tiny. And I remember coach Reed coming up to me and kind of saying, Hey man, we're excited to have you this year. You know, we're, you know, we need someone in your weight class. And I was like, I'm not, I'm not wrestling. And he's like, well, why not? I was like, I'm going to do basketball. And the switch <laughs> to that for me. Yeah. Right. And he was looking at me, you fucking idiot. And the switch for me, now that I can reflect back on it, was I was super embarrassed being this small kid to get into a singlet and to get out there on a wrestling mat in front of all these, you know, girls that got boobs and the whole nine yards. Yeah, and you're I'm the a, only fucking kid there, too. Like, that's a whole different experience. Exactly. So I can look back at that now and go, well, why didn't I follow through with that? And that was why. You know, I figured, okay, all the cool kids, they, you know, they do basketball and football and all these bigger sports. Like, I'll do basketball. So went through high school. Um, I was pretty much just, like I said, I wasn't the star athlete. Um, you know, went through that and uh, ended up probably my senior, summer of my senior year, 
um, jumped into the military, just went in and, and signed the documents. And my ASVAB score was shit. I was a C student. I just didn't care. I was more of a socialite, right? Just let's just go have fun. Let's be good to people. Let's do, let's do our thing. The sports was done after I cut my junior year. I was like, okay, not a, not a full blown athlete. Fuck it. Like that's not my role. So went in, um, signed. Say again, army, was it? Yeah, I was in the army. Yep. Was in the army. And when, when I went in, I was just 11 bang, bang, which just straight infantry. I had no airborne tied to it, nothing. So I graduated through the cap in the air. That thing wasn't even on the ground yet. And I was on a plane to Fort Benning, Georgia. So went out there, did basic about eight weeks in, nine weeks in, ended up getting an airborne slot. So went to airborne school, knocked that out, and then probably the third or fourth week, just towards the end there, Ranger Liaison came down. And I was like, oh, Ranger Battalion, I've heard about these guys. They're, they're kind of wicked. All right, fuck it, I'm in. So signed that dotted line, and before you know it, graduated airborne school, and I'm sitting there, and we're in this huge barracks. And there's, I think it's like three stories to these old school airborne barracks. And you can see the guys, and they're, they're peeking out the windows, and they're, they're checking us out. And the fucking cadre are already at it. They're yelling at us. They're smoking us. And from airborne school down to 75th Ranger Regiment, it's roughly, I want to say it's probably a mile. Could be a little shorter than that, but it was a dead sprint. And so we get down there, and it, it's, it's balls to the walls. And back then, it was called RIP, which is Ranger Indoctrination Program. Yeah. <laughs> they don't beat around the bush. No, they just said, we're, we're going to get after it, you know? <laughs> like buds are like, okay, that sounds kind of cool, you know? Like, well, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Ranger Indoctrination, you know, just does, it just goes right, like, we're here to fuck you up and yeah. change you as a person. A hundred percent. And now I think it's called RASP. Um, but yeah, so went through that, had the intake for like a week and a half. And you, during that intake, it's, you know, getting your bunks and getting all your gear and the whole nine yards and then smoke session, you know, three, four times a day, just to see mentality wise, like who can hang. And there's this ranger, uh, uh, Jeff Struker at this point, it was Sergeant Struker. He, if you're familiar with Black Hawk Down, he was the sergeant in the Humvee where all of his guys ended up getting killed in that Humvee. And they washed out the Humvee, threw new dudes in it, and they went back after it. So he was one of our cadre. So to have like this Hall of Fame Ranger who's sitting here going through this, and I'm like, oh, dude, this guy is just going to abuse us. Because just that year in 96, he won the best Ranger competition, which is one of the toughest competitions, civilian or military-wise. Uh, they, they have it on ESPN now every year. It's, so it's kind of a new thing they're doing. But went through that. Um, just, you know, I made it through. I think we had a class of, again, buck 25 or something like that. I think we graduated 20 or 30 guys total and then dispersed from there. From that's, there. That's pretty good, though, 20% when you think of, like, other other uh, special ops programs and things like that. 20% seems like a good group. A good group, yeah. yeah. And for me, it was, you know, again, because I wasn't, like I said, I didn't really have uh, a role model growing up. You know, I didn't really have a male figure to look at. My dad was an outdoorsman. He fished, he hunted, but I don't fish and hunt today. And there, you know, there's kind of reasons behind that. We got to change that, but keep going. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, my thought was, if I go into the military, I'm going to have the ability, right, to be around a bunch of alpha males, maybe find a mentor, go through this, this programming of this stuff. And maybe I can prove to myself that, you know, I am worth some shit and I can kind of hang with these dudes. Went into battalion, did really well. 
did really well. In fact, it was part of the, the weapons uh, platoon. And in the weapons platoon, you got mortars, Carl Gustav, if you're familiar with that weapon system, and then sniper section. That was back, like you said, this is 97. Um, so did the Gustav, and it's an 84 millimeter cordless rifle. And this thing is a banger. I mean, they literally, it's, it's a new weapon system as of probably seven or eight years ago. So, I mean, this is years ago. Um, I was one of the very first guys or teams, our Gustav squad was, to train with the Javelin. If, you're, if you hear all the Javelins going to Ukraine and all this bullshit, right? So we were one of the very first trainees on the Javelin system as well. So that was kind of cool, you know? Um, but through that, all the live fires, things that we would do, I mean, you would keep a loom and, and things on objective, you know, for live fires and that. And we'd walk out of some of these things with our backs hunched over, bleeding out of our nose, bleeding out of our ears, just because of the concussion of that, the, the goose off. And you got three or four of these things in line. You're just, you're just, I can only imagine that too, especially because, you know, you don't figure this shit out initially. You're, you yeah. guys are the guinea pigs. You know, hundred yeah, percent. You know, as a kid, you're probably like, fuck yeah, we got the best brand new equipment. We get to be the first guys to take this out. Yep. And then later, you know, like, hey, that roller coaster I went on that was uh, wood actually causes micro concussions at every turn, you know, and the newer yeah. ones are safer because they're smoother and the metal one, you know, like that kind yep. of thing. It was like, damn, how many times did I ride that fucking wooden roller coaster? 100%. <laughs> yeah. And so that has come and I'm still fighting with the VA for, for benefits and shit. Um, I was one of those guys, you know, that said, you know, I got all my legs, I got all my arms, I'm, I'm not fucked up, I'm good to go. And Years and I'll, I'll get into that, but years later now I'm realizing like, oh, maybe I do have some TBI issues. Maybe I do have this. Maybe I've got this going on. And now, going through plant medicine and ketamine and things of that nature, now I have the wherewithal to go fight for my advocacy to say no. Like, okay, I get it. I didn't go through the massive combat zones of some of these guys, right? And and the stat is really, if you look at military over a whole. Um, range of things it's it's two to three percent of the military right people in there that actually go to combat there's really 96 well, especially yeah early at that time right it was before all yep. the shit hit the fan and then 20 years of war and, and everything else exactly really on right yep and we're in that we're in that realm where it was like you know clinton was the president i believe at the time so the military got downgraded a little bit so we weren't we were training balls to the walls every fucking day but our um our budget ended up getting cut so we weren't really training to probably the level that Ranger Battalion soft guys are normally held to because of that. Um, but yeah, so we, you know, I went through the Ranger Battalion stuff. We did, uh, so the the fall of that is I was getting ready to transition or being talked about going through sniper section. We did a sniper school. I think it's first or seventh uh, special forces group is out there in Fort Lewis, Washington. And they ran us through because at that time, they again, they were cutting down. So they weren't sending a bunch of dudes to the real sniper schools. And so they're like, well, fuck, we got to we gotta keep training. So they came over, taught it. We, we did the stock. We did everything just like if it was a normal sniper school. So went through that, graduated that, did well there. And so we did a jump. So we did a jump into Spokane Fairchild Air Force Base. And it was a night jump. And 2nd Ranger Battalion is, is known for airfield seizures, right? And as we're jumping in, it's a night jump, and everybody, every Tom, Dick, and Harry, you know, three, four hundred guys in the air at one time, you know, to take over this airfield. And as I'm jumping out and I look down, I see a chute. And in airborne school, they teach you to, to run off the chute, right? You're supposed to run off the chute. So I see the chute, I, I just start running. And I'm like, fuck, I can't get off this thing quick enough. And back then, there were the round chutes. 
So they're square, they're square shoots now that are tandem that when you jump. Back then it was just the the single round shoots and there was really no you know control mechanisms to these sons of bitches. It goes. Yeah, just a yard dart really. Um so ended up not getting off that chute. I look up, my parachute ends up collapsing on top of me. And through that, next thing I know, blackout, complete blackout. And wake up, I don't know timing. I don't know where I burnt in from. It was 10 feet, 20 feet, I, I, no clue, still can't. Even through plant medicine and putting intention of like, fuck, man, I want to remember. Show like, me this. Yeah, yeah what are we talking about? Give me the get back. Yeah, exactly. So laying there, feeling the whole body. I was numb from waist down for quite a while um, until I started feeling I could wiggle my toes, things of that nature. And from there, just the whole night was complete dazed. They ended up calling off the mission because of so many dudes got fucked up on this jump. Dudes were hitting hangers. Dudes were hitting planes. And what happened, the Air Force ended up flying the wrong fucking pattern. They didn't fly with the DZ. They, they flew the other route. So we ended up, lots of dudes getting fucked up on this, this entire jump. So you're doing a training jump. Training that's, jump. That's a lot of people yep. in close proximity, hence yep. the crashing into each other's parachutes. Mm-hmm. And the Air Force is flying into you guys? And they flew the wrong way. So they have a pattern that they need to fly for safety, right? And so we're supposed to fly this way. I guess you'd say long gate north-south. Let's just say north-south um, of the runway so we can hit tarmac and things of that nature. What they did is they flew across it. So now you're flying over buildings. You're flying over planes that are stationed there. And so dudes are hitting. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And so that was kind of the demise, right, at that point. Because, um, again, you're, you're, in, you're in soft, right? Like you're not supposed to be a pussy, take your motor and shut up and go back to work. Right. And that's kind of what I did. I just kind of shut up and just, we knew there's other dudes that got hurt, but there's dudes that compound fractures, you know, massive injuries. And so I'm thinking, okay, I, I, I'm walking. I'm just confused. I'm, you know, still out of it a little bit. I don't even remember getting on the plane and flying back to Fort Lewis. I can't physically, mentally even think about walking back onto the C-130 and, and flying back. So we get back to battalion, and I think we ended up getting downgraded. So in battalion, you've got, um, or regiment, they call it, but it's statuses. There's an RR1, an RR2, and an RR3, and the readiness statuses. And we're getting ready to go into, I believe, RR1. But because of Is that- RR1, like next in line, first ne- position? Yeah, next okay. in line. I think the timeline was, like, we couldn't even leave base. Like, we would- we would be anywhere in the world within 24 hours. So we've got C-130s just parked across. They're palleted up. You know, you've got your gear at the bottom of your bunk and you get the beeper because back then we had we all had beepers. There's no fucking cell phones. <laughs> so you get the beeper. One, four, three. Yeah, let's roll. So <laughs> so we got downgraded from that. And from there, we you know, we just trained. But the downfall was I started doing pain pills. And it was, I mean, you could go to the dock, you could get them off base. I mean, you know how it goes. You can get that, you can get oxy, you can get whatever you need. It's, it's at, it's readily available. Well, especially at that time too. I don't think, you know, the lid had been blown up on the opiate epidemic at that point. No. And it's still getting handed out like chiclets. Yeah. We would call it ranger candy. Like you would just be popping this shit. And then, so goes, I'm, I'm buying pain pills and now I'm fucking drinking and now I'm not operating at, at a level that I feel I need to. And things are just unraveling um, to the point where I was spending so much money on booze and whatever pills I could get my hands on that I was broke. So I ended up calling, well, not calling my mom, but going in and driving into the PX to 
try to, you know, okay, I don't have any money. How am I going to call my mom? And I walk into the PX just out of my gourd. And long story short, went and stole some fucking phone cards thinking, because back then you had phone cards. So you'd tear those fuckers up, you'd put a little thing, and then boom, you could get on the payphone call home. And that was the only way I was going to get in touch with mom. You know, I was like, I, I, cause I got to talk to her off base off, you know, essentially regiment campus so I can talk to her about what the hell's going on. Well, I ended up getting caught. And so the guy I still remember walking out of the PX and the guy's just standing there and he goes, Hey man, how many did you get? And I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, I saw you, man. You're on camera. You got phone cards. And I'm like, fuck, open up my wallet. I'm like, here, man, there's three or four of them here. And he's like, He's like, uh, what unit you with? And I'm like, oh, shit. I go, oh, well, I'm with 2nd Ranger Battalion. And he just looks at me. He goes, I'm not going to fuck with you. He's like, because what they're going to do to you is a whole other story. It's like, all right, man, I got you. So they arrest me and then take my ass back to battalion. And when I get back to battalion, my entire squad's outside. And they're just looking at me like, what the fuck, man? Why wouldn't? I was like, I was just silent. I didn't know what to say. And I knew what was coming. Because I did a lot of hazing, right? Because hazing was just something you did back then. So I knew. I knew there was blood in the water. I knew it was on. It was a Saturday. And I was like, all right. As soon as I get in there, next thing you know, I'm just mopping and cleaning the barracks for, you know, the next 48 hours. Monday comes along. And we have big formation. And we're sitting there. And uh, the first sergeant, my, my name back then was Elder. And I'll, and I'll explain that then. But I remember him screaming out, you know, PFC elder, we need your front and center. And I'm like, oh, fuck. So I come up there and in front of the entire company. As I'm running up to formation, you can hear guys just kind of mutter like, oh, they're going to murder this kid. He's done. And so he brought me up in front of the whole company and just, you want to tell your brothers what you did? And just, just roasted me. It was done. Game over. Um, so that was very uncomfortable. Um, then I go in his office and, uh, Sergeant first class Lang fucking pissed. And I think he was more pissed because he was disappointed. Cause I think he knew I had some potential there, but he bit off my rank and I ended up getting demoted. And for, I think like the next month and a half, I was, I was their toy. And I mean, I got hung outside of the second story barracks in a, in a fart sack, which is a sleeping bag. And I had to recite the Ranger Creed and the whole nine yards. So, I mean, I got fucked with and I got fucked with hard. I mean, they even, we did a mortar shoot and they left me out there and I had no idea where we're at. I didn't have a compass, ended up finding my way back to battalion. And that was a whole other shit show. And at that point, I think they realized, okay, we're done fucking with this kid. What I found out just probably seven months ago, I ended up running down my gunner at the time, Philip Matthews, and I ended up calling him and haven't talked to this guy in 20 plus years. We were on the phone for three and a half hours. And I just told him, I was like, man, I was embarrassed. Like I hid from you guys. Like I changed my last name. I was embarrassed about my, my service record because I just, I wanted to be a soft guy. I wanted to go from Ranger Battalion to SF to maybe being Delta one day. That was the goal right? I wanted to prove to myself that I could go through this shit. And man, it was such a relief because him and I talking there and he's like, dude, he's like, you were one of the most squared away fucking cats we ever had. You always had the team room dialed in. You always kept us fucking in line. He's like, you've literally been beating yourself up for 20 years over this. I'm like, yeah, man. Cause you know, in Ranger Battalion, you're a shit bag. You do something like that. You're a shit bag. And then once I left battalion, I went down to, um, 
124th Infantry Division. It was just a leg unit. No airborne, nothing. Like when you talk 11 bang, bang, just grunt, grunt, that's that's what it was. And so you leave and you hear all these whispers from all these guys that you're looking up to, like, good luck in leg lang, you piece of shit, and the whole nine yards. And it's just like that eats at you and that eats at you. So then you you create this defense mechanism of like, okay, I'm going to be an asshole and I'm going to fight out of the corner constantly because that's what I did as a kid, right? I was always fighting out of that corner anyways. So then it just got to a point where I was just douchebag.com. You know, I was, I would fight anybody, never would really start anything, but I would just, because I had to prove a point and I figured, you know what, if you're going to pick on me, like we're going to get after it. So everybody else can see like, okay, we're not going to fuck with, with Chad anymore on this. So went down, was looking at maybe reenlisting, uh, still my back is, is still fucked up. Um, I'm getting ready to get out. I'm in for just shy of four years. Um, ended up getting out and then going back to Billings, Montana. Uh, went to school at MSUB. At that time, it was kind of, they called it Eastern, um, but now it's Montana State University of Billings. Was going to school there and then ran into a job fair and uh, ran into an Allstate insurance company that they're like, dude, you've got the jam. Like, why don't you quit school? You can make 100K a year. You can run your own businesses. And being a poor kid, 100K a year to me was like a, yeah. a million dollars. So I'm like, yeah. fuck, yeah, fuck school. And let's go. So go back to Billings and start this insurance agency. And, and through that, the demise of still popping pain pills here and there to, to soothe the back. And then, you know, it's, it's Montana. So I always say, if you're not drinking, fucking, or fighting, you're not, you're not doing a whole lot in, in Montana. You know, that's, that's kind of the, the shtick out there. And so just unraveled from one relationship to another, from one job to the other, and just keep unraveling. I was in probably bar fights every fucking weekend. And to this day, it was just, it's not who I was. And I can reflect now, and this, I hate saying it, but like, I won, I won Homecoming King. And what that did for me, what that made me reflect upon back was, you got voted by your peers because they liked you for who you were. Because I wasn't the quarterback. I wasn't the linebacker. I wasn't the star guard of basketball. I wasn't the, you know, the shortstop. I was just a guy. And so now that I'm starting to realize that, like, okay, I need to get back to this core of who Chad is. This guy trying to be a tough guy and wanting to fight to try to prove a point that I don't need to prove to anybody needs to fucking go away, you know? And so I'm learning to try to get back to who that guy is, but I'm still fighting out of the corner and I'm still pissed. And I think I'm this, this last big ketamine session that I went through, um, kind of brought that all around. A lot of anger came out. I ended up ripping fucking my pants during the ketamine session and ripping like a, a big, it's an interesting one to, to, to have that on route. I mean, any, any, there's, you know, all these things, especially ketamine is unique in that it can allow you to access any of these other pathways that you've used in the past. So if you, you have familiar experience with ayahuasca, you do a ketamine, all of a sudden it, it can feel like ayahuasca, like you're in a certain ayahuasca ceremony, but, um, it's also, you know, so dissolving that it, it is curious to me that like that would be the medicine where the anger comes up. You know, it's 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 very interesting. Yeah, that, that pathway was able to bring that up for you. Yeah, and I when I started the the medicine or you know the ketamine was my catalyst into this stuff. But 
going back to that, that it was probably a month and a half ago. I, like I said, I, I ripped my pants. I ripped a blanket. I punched like walls. They ended up moving me away from the wall. And this was intermuscular tour before it's, it's been previously. Okay. Yeah. IV. Yep. It's been IV. Um, and those were great. Those all opened up pathways as well. But what I got from that last ketamine experience, the, the intermuscular one was I knew what the standard was and I didn't withhold the standards. I didn't put in the reps. I didn't do what I needed to do. I wasn't mad at my mom. I wasn't mad at my dad. I wasn't mad at, I was mad at my fucking self because I knew fucking better. And I think that's where in this last two months, I've really started to kind of slow things down exponentially of like, you were mad at yourself because you knew where you needed to go. You knew where you had to hold that standard and you didn't. So let that go. And so now I'm realizing that, okay, maybe the story is that, right, there's enough tier one guys out there. There's enough, you know, of those guys telling their stories and everything. Now it's the average Joe, right? It's, it's the 97, 98% of the, the veterans out there that don't have a platform, right? You look at any soft communities, whether, whether it's Rangers or SF or Delta or SEALs or PJs, right? They have a tight brotherhood because it's, they're tight nucleuses, right? They're tight groups. Most of those guys know each other. You go in the regular army, Marines, Air Force, you're just a pogue, just doing another job. And so that 97 to 98% of those people that never go to combat, but they do their time and maybe they get injured and they don't check the box and they don't go to the VA to get the help. I know there's millions of those veterans out there that have the same issues I did, right? Thinking, I'm worthless. I didn't go to combat. I didn't, you know, you go through that whole period of stuff and then you hide from your service. Cause you're like, well, I didn't, I'm not a combat veteran. I'm just, you know, I just did time big fucking deal. And so that's where kind of came in the, the Mendel Joe aspect of this of like, we need to open up the door for the average Joe to realize like they, they've got a platform too. And these guys and gals that don't normally get some attention because they don't have the big names behind them, right? They don't have the seal name or they don't have the long tab of an SF guy. Their stories are just as important and they're going through traumas and they've got traumas that they've been holding on for 20, 30 years. And what's been really fucking cool about this whole process when we started Mental Joe was essentially to say, hey, there's another way of healing. Like the traditional way does not work. If the traditional way fucking worked, We'd have a healthy fucking society, but we don't. People have a very good way of ignoring <laughs> that, you know. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It's just like a, it's a master level, you know, Stockholm syndrome or whatever the fuck you want to call it, where people just still trust their general practitioner to get them healthy. Uh, yeah, it's mind blowing. But but I think you know, for military folks, understanding, I don't think there's anybody in the military that's like, man, the VA did me right. No, they're, I mean, yeah. you know, so like, like that's one community at least where they've got their head screwed on straight yep. about what uh, modern medicine care looks like, you know, and, and the failures of that. When I got two questions for you. One, I want you to dive into Mental Joe and what that is for people that aren't familiar with it. But two, when did you first get switched on? Was it ketamine? Yeah. Have you done any other medicines? What does that look like for yeah, you? Yeah, so I'll jump back. So this this May, it'll be four years. And and I hate tracking it like, you know, someone that quit alcohol or anything else. But 396 I can, days and 11 minutes. <laughs> exactly. That's my last drink. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I literally, the reason I use it is because I can literally now reflect back to who I was fucking four years ago to where I am now. And what happened three and a half years ago is I almost took my life. Um, 
you know, it's during COVID, the fucking world's on fire like it is now. And we're over at a friend's house and I wasn't drinking. Um, and we just got in a political argument about stuff. And I was like, you guys are fucking lost. You need to open up your eyes. And I ended up believing. They were pro-Biden. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, sir. Let's yeah. call it how it is. <laughs> Let's call it how it is, on, yeah. We can all talk about it and joke. Yeah. I'm not mad at you if you voted that way. But. Yeah. But wake up, <laughs> wake up, fuckers. So I got pissed. And I went home. And the wife ended up staying there because it was one of her friends that she's known for 20 years. And I just left. I was I was pissed, and I think it goes back to always fighting out of the corner. Like, I felt she didn't have my back, and so I'm at home, and I'm just stewing and stewing and stewing about this shit. And so she ends up getting home, and as soon as she gets home, we get in a fucking fight. Boys are sleeping, and her and I are at it, and, you know, we're not screaming, but loud enough to where, like, we know there's some tension there. And I she ended up pushing me. And then I ended up just reflected pushing her back again. That's my fault. That's a fucking reaction I, I need to control. But then I, back then I didn't have the ability to control those emotions. I just didn't. And through that, I knew I fucked up. And in my head, I'm like, here we go. I'm going to fucking get divorced. I'm going to fuck everything up like every other relationship, everything else I've done in my life. I'm going to fuck this up. So I walk to the safe, pull out the gun, walk down the hall. I'm staring at her. I've got the fucking gun to my head. Got tension on the trigger. And it was like everything paused. It felt like five or six minutes, but it couldn't have been more than probably 15 seconds. And within that, I paused. And she looked at me and I just, she started crying. And I walked in my office, pointed the handgun down at the ground, ended up shucking it. And holy shit, a fucking round comes out. And I'm like, fuck me, that was loaded. Holy shit. And at that time, I didn't know what to do. Ended up walking back, putting the gun in the safe. She is now on the phone with the sheriff's department. So they roll up and I'm, I'm on the front front porch, you know, and I see them roll up and I just, you know, I walk towards them, hands up and walk towards my truck. And they're like, what's wrong, man? I'm like, I don't know, man, but I think, I think, I, I think I need help. And it still, fuck, it still gets me to this day. Um, especially now seeing my boys at five and six and how much they've grown since that time. Um, fuck. Mm. But I realized that I stole her safe space. I stole that from her. And we didn't hug, we didn't kiss, and I went went to the hospital. And I was in, impatient for a day or two, and then they, then they shuffled me off to the cuckoo bin for, I think it was about a week. Um, so sat there and through that, just, I give my call a day, you know, I told her, I, was like, I can't live like this. Eventually I'm a, I'm going to full on pull the trigger. I can't, my, my mind's never slowed down. I'm always trying to fucking fight out of a corner. I'm always creating nonsense of my head of different fucking scenarios. So I can always be ahead of someone that's coming at me. Right. And I told her, I was like, I don't care if it's petrified dog shit. I will eat it. I need a fucking change. I can't do this any longer. And so she did a bunch of research and ended up coming across the Joe Rogan podcast where they ended up talking about ketamine. And so she heard about ketamine, started diving into that. And when I got released, um, you know, I've got all the, you know, this guy's manic depressive, you know, anxiety disorder, OCPD. They gave me all the fucking labels you can imagine. And oh, by the way, here's 150 milligrams of effects or 
enjoy. And I had one counseling thing set up for me. And from that moment on, like I realized how broken the mental health is in this country. What's is effects are an, F, an SSRI? Yeah, it is. Okay. Yep. And they say a therapeutic dose. And again, I'm probably wrong on this, but from what I've read, a therapeutic dose is 75 milligrams. So you're at double that. Double that. With a handful of other things. Correct. <laughs> Did it get you on anti-anxieties too? Yep. Yep. I forgot even what that was even called. But Valium, Clonopin, Xanax. I was on Xanax. Clonopin, Xanax, uh, Wellbutrin. Cl- yeah. Um, cl- Clonopin is one of the hardest to come off of. I've worked with, with clients on that. Uh, surprisingly, it doesn't get you as high as Xanax or Valium does acutely, but it's one of the hardest to come off. Interestingly, that class of medicine, if you cut cold turkey, can kill you. Yep. It's fucking mind-blowing. I've had long conversations with Dr. Dan Engel about that, who, who's an awesome friend, concu- wrote the concussion repair manual, uh, licensed uh, psychiatrist and therapist who also spent 18 months in the Amazon apprenticing as an ayahuasquero. So like, oh, he has Jesus. fucking bridged the gap of all gaps. He's yeah. done his podcast a handful of times back in the day. Um, yeah, I had I had a lot of that shit too in college when I fucking snapped and and tried to kill myself. It was, you know, moderately pain pills, but it mostly was the anti anxiety medication because I could just fucking push that button. It was like soma in Brave yeah. New World. Like, <laughs> good night. Fucking everything's good. Yeah, nothing hurts. Yeah, yeah. So on the on the effects are, and I want to say it's probably three weeks after I got out when and did my first ketamine session, and holy fuck. Like I was a dare kid, right? (laughs) I was a fucking dare kid in high school that went to elementaries and junior highs. Don't do drugs, right? So to go in and just full throttle, like, I don't care. Like I was such in a miserable spot and I was tired of what I call the gray or the yuck or whatever you want to call it living there. I didn't live for 22 years. I was fucking numb. I was on some kind of antidepressant. I was on some kind of anti-anxiety medication. If the back acted up, I had a fucking, you know, pharmacy in my goddamn house so if the back acted up boom i can pop these i know i need to wean off of them but and that's usually what would unravel the relationships because then i'm doing that on top of the alcohol and everything else so ended up doing ketamine and probably the seventh or eighth session out of fucking nowhere it's like start an apparel company and prior to this i've i've been doing real estate for almost 20 years in corporate america and I'm like apparel, like I've always loved swag, but I'm like, why apparel? Like, and I, at this time I'm starting to journal. I'm starting to kind of slowly connect certain dots to sit certain things. And, oh, I reacted to situations like this because of X, Y, Z. And now I realize I don't have to react to those. I can just let those be. There doesn't need to be attention to certain instances or, or things that have happened. And so now I'm seventh, eighth ketamine session in and I'm really like, holy fuck. Like I'm sitting for an hour and not thinking about anything. The mind's not racing. I don't have all this weird anxiety. The whole like, you know, you go to a traditional therapy. Well, you got to, you know, you got to feel it in your heart. And you got to, you got to feel the breath and you got to feel the tension. And I'm like, fucking, what are you talking about? They're, you know what they're trying to teach? They're <laughs> trying to teach what Eckhart Tolle talks about in the, yeah. in the new earth. Yeah. Right. But Eckhart Tolle snapped. He had a, me- a complete mental collapse that brought him to the state of stillness. Right, and I think that's one of the beautiful things about ketamine, and 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 it's look, every you could do a thousand sessions, every one of them is going to be different, different, even yeah. if they're similar. Especially when you talk about the plants, There's such a wide variety of experience within those. But um, yep. it it can gift you the experience of pulling back your awareness into the observer, 
And if you've never been in that seat before, it's like, whoa, this holy sh- okay, wow, right? Like it's just like, a, it, and it's unfamiliar too if we've had 22 years straight or however long straight yeah. of, you know, like <laughs> the mind sitting at the driver's seat and yeah. you're like, oh, there's a space beyond that. Yep. And I feel like I try to explain it now to people like that are, you know, t- you know, mental, we'll just call it mental health issues, right? I feel like people have mental health issues, you're on a frontage road. And you really don't know anything outside that frontage road, right? Because it's everything's repeating itself through the stories in our head. And every once in a while, you get a deer or something to jump out at you in the in the frontage road. And you're like, oh, you get startled. And you're like, okay, I got to get back on this road. And but it's the frontage road. But now you introduce ketamine, or now you introduce plant medicine, and it's like, oh fuck, there's this off ramp. I don't have to be on this frontage road anymore. And you get on this you know, off ramp to a, an informational highway that's got thousands and thousands of lanes. And now you can look at everything in a completely different context. And that analogy for me, or even the analogy of the, the windshield on a, on a, on a vehicle, right? It gets really grimy on the inside of a windshield. Well, you introduce psychedelics. Yeah. It's like, I got a fucking new windshield. I can see clear as day. Now there's not this grime. And so now I've started to kind of see where things are, were disconnected and the neuro, the neurotransmitters are starting to reconnect and regrow within the brain. And this apparel stuff just keeps coming up and keeps coming up. And I went to, I didn't know now, but there's a plan in place obviously for it, but I went to five or six different ketamine clinics in the Phoenix Valley. Two of them ended up getting shut down. One of them. Do you go with one as a Mexican doctor in Chandler? I want to say. Have, no, haven't ran okay. into them. The he two was the old. I had him on the podcast years ago. He okay. was one of the very first in, people to do ketamine therapy in the whole country. Oh no shit! Yeah. Okay. Based, I forget his name. He was awesome. He did a whole battery of really cool tests on me, and oh fuck, they were surprisingly accurate. Okay. <laughs> yeah. The one thing he said was, "You test great everywhere, <laughs> except." Uh, this shows, and uh, what this you know what this thing relates to is that you. It looks like you. I don't want to embarrass. We're live on the podcast. I don't want to embarrass you. Or I was like, no, 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 fucking reveal it. Yeah, let's go. Because it looks like you have very little to no compaction. Mm, yep. And I was, oh yeah, buddy. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, 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 yep, yep. And he's like, that actually makes sense, you know, from a fighter standpoint. Mm. Like you couldn't have that necessarily to be in that position really for a long time. You could, have, you know, here and there. And that's something that, that plants have helped me to cultivate more of. Yep. But, you know, that made me think of, of you know, that, that ketamine journey you first started talking about. Um, the old habit, the frontage road of beating your own ass, you know? <sighs> that's, that's a fucking tough road to get off of. Yeah. But that break, you know, the, 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 the ability to scale back with the bird's eye view and see the yeah. car and see all the lanes and see all those things. Yeah that offers the first inclination to have self-compassion and not kick your own ass. Yep. And I can hear it too. Cause my mom, you know, she even said back in the day, like, what did, where'd my little boy go? Cause she knew I, I had compassion. I had a big heart. I, I wanted the best for everybody. But she even said, she's like, ever since you came back from the military, you're, you are a fucking ruthless, non-empathetic, just asshole. I just, same thing. I was, I'm done getting hazed i'm done getting bullied like i'm gonna fuck people up you know and and if i can prove my wherewithal in a bar fight in billings montana <laughs> right if i can hold my own there i can do anything i can do anything 
<laughs> so, so yeah, so I went to five, six clinics in the Valley there. There's two that we actually use now that we refer veterans, first responders, and your average Joe's to. Yeah, and bridge that gap too, because yeah. we're talking apparel. Obviously, you've got dope swag on. I love it. And I also love, you know, mine says into the storm with the bison. It's one of my favorite uh, Native American spirit animal messages. Yeah. You know, the bison know that the fastest way through a storm is shoulder to shoulder, head, head first, on. head on. Yep. Fucking don't run from it. Get shoulder to shoulder and go straight into the fucking storm. And I love that metaphor. Um, you know, so there's there's imagery and medicine in in the language of the clothes that you guys are putting out. Yeah. But you know, the the talk about how that what that's what that's funneling towards and what you guys are doing. Yeah. So w- after coming through all that and kind of saying, okay, babe, we got to do this apparel thing. She just kind of looked at me and said, all right, knucklehead, if that's what you're going to do. Cause Carrie hasn't done, she didn't do any medicine at the time. And to give you the quick overview of it, we've done ketamine. I've done psilocybin and MDMA. And they just recently bufo. Um, Ooh, buddy. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, we, we can dive into those, but with the mental Joe stuff, um, Again, I've always kind of liked swag, and it just kind of started coming to me. And out of nowhere, like I just started coming up with these wacky, just little designs. And it was, how do we convey to the average Joe or the guy in Kansas, right? Like, hey, there's there's another way to live, and we don't have to live in this traditional bullshit way. And you don't have to go home and drown your sorrows in, you know, an eighteen pack of Bud Light or Coors Light, or and you don't have to drink a fucking fifth of JD to, you know, go to bed and get rid of what's in your head. Like there's other ways and it's called plant medicine, right? Or ketamine to get you started. Right. Um, so we started doing that. And the whole goal behind mental Joe is to raise awareness with the apparel and start conversations. And that's exactly what it's doing. We probably on an average, probably every other day have one to two people that are reaching out to us on social media. Hey, I live here would love to talk to you about, you know, ketamine. Hey, I'm, I'm curious in a retreat. How do I do this? And that was the whole goal is to use apparel, to open up conversations, to talk about this shit. Cause we don't, right. We, one, we don't talk about psychedelics and we don't talk about mental health. So I'm literally trying to take on two of the biggest stigmatized things within our nation and say, well, let's flip it on its head. Yeah. Right. Well, it's fine. I mean, everyone's in their own bubble. In my world, and having you know listened, been a longtime listener of Joe Rogan and Tim Ferriss, yeah, and a lot of different people, it's just like it's as fucking common as breath work, you know, <laughs> yeah, it's just like there. But yeah, when you're talking about Billings, Montana, and Kansas, and all these other places where you know maybe they listen to Rogan's on occasion, and everyone has an access point, but it's 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 the deepening of that conversation that allows them to feel comfortable enough to say, is this right for me? I think it is. I'm feeling the calling. I want to do that. Yep. And then from there, connecting the dots of, okay, here's options for me. Yep. And so as we're growing this, we go to little farmer's markets or we, you know, we go up to different conferences and we're there. People are coming up and they're curious and they want to know. And one of my biggest success stories I like is we had a 72 year old Vietnam veteran reach out to us and he was like, bro, I heard you on the grunt style podcast. Like I'm very curious about this. And I talked to him for over an hour. I said, if you are ready, I will introduce you to a ketamine clinic that we refer people to and they can talk to you. They're the experts. I don't want to get in their lane, but I want to be a connector. And he went through it and he called me and he's like, bro, he's like, I don't know how many more fucking years I have left. But at 72, I can promise you the remaining years I have will be the most fulfilled years I ever live in my life. And that was stamp of approval. I'm like, okay, I told my wife, I'm like, fuck it. This is what we have to do 
because people are curious and we have to tell these stories to continue to get more people to do that. So as we're starting to grow this, like I said, we partnered up with two ketamine clinics in Phoenix. And then there's, as you know, there's tons of retreats all over, whether it's Costa Rica or you got Etho churches, you know, that are all over. And our goal is, is as we become profitable, be able to write those checks for people that want to go to retreats or ketamine clinics that can't afford it. So essentially using profit for a purpose and everybody fucking loves apparel, but let's create a brand that our whole goal is to talk about mental health, psychedelics. And then as, like I said, as we become profitable, be able to write those checks. I think it was Tom's, the the shoe company, Tom's, I think last seven months, they ended up donating like a hundred million dollars to psychedelic research. And so I tell the wife, I'm like, that's the goal. If I can write quarterly checks at a million dollars to different retreats, so all they have to do is heal people, they don't have to worry about throwing a gala. They don't have to worry about throwing a, a fucking golf tournament to raise money. They don't have to go after investors. Let Mental Joe be that catalyst. Let us create a brand that's so big, I can just write checks. And now we create a community through people wearing apparel that it's almost like you see the, the Buffalo shirt at a mall and you're like, I know what you're about. I get you. Yeah, we're on the same page, right? So you're creating a community with that. Um, it's kind of cool. Marcus McGee's a, a friend of mine. He fights out of the MMA lab um, in Phoenix. And he, oh, cool. In fact, he fights. Glendale, fight, right? Uh, right off the 17. Okay. Right off the 17. Okay. Um, and he fights this weekend. We did. Was that where Benson Henderson was from? Yeah. So, okay, cool. Yeah, so cool. Benson, yeah, he's still a coach there. Um, uh, Sugar Sean, he yeah. he kind of fights out of MMA, but I know he's he's part of Tim Welch's group, and they got their own thing, both Montana boys, which is That's cool fucking shit. pretty cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the whole thing is I walk into the lab, and there's four or five guys that got, you know, mental Joe gear on. I walk into my gym, there's three or four, you know, so it's kind of cool. So you can kind of see... And we live in Peoria, Arizona, so you can kind of see organically, like, we're really starting to grow this thing, and people are really interested. And then I get people like you, and then I get people like Bobby Kennedy, and and holy shit, like, we've been at this a year and a half, right? So I'm telling the wife, I'm like, we can actually get some capital, we can get some, like, an actual team behind us, it's fucking game over. Because I look at companies like Lululemon, right? Great product, love it. They're a $9 billion dollar company athleisure wear right now currently is a 330 billion dollar industry by 2030 it's projected to be a 660 billion dollar industry damn so i say give me one fucking percent of that and i'll change fucking mental health or i will be at least a spoke in the wheel to help change mental health and now you're creating like lululemon you walk in anywhere there's coffee shops whatever everyone's got some Lululemon polo on or jacket or whatever. Tight yoga pants, baby. Yeah, exactly. And that's, <laughs> you know. Um, so the whole goal is to create that community through apparel, but being able to use that profit and turn it over for good. Essentially kind of flipping capitalism on its fucking head, if you will. Um, so that's the goal. That's that's where we're at. Like I said, we've been at it roughly about a year and a half. And I've had my head down and I've just been banging um, and I'm a one man band. Um, you know, my wife obviously, you know, helps me out a ton, but she's got, she's holding down everything. You know, I'm, I'm Mrs. Doubtfire, right? I'm taking the boys to football. I'm cleaning the house. I'm doing the laundry because this is it. This is my full-time gig. I'm, I'm in it. We're, you know, we do what we can. Um, you know, I just did a huge launch for, uh, in fact, it launches today, Ryan Malone foundation. He's a Pittsburgh penguin, uh, um, 
hockey player. So we just did something with him. We've got several other different collaborations that we're getting ready to, to kind of push out. Like I said, Bobby Kennedy, they, we ended up getting connected with them and we just did um, a bunch of rash guards for them for an upcoming trip. So for me, for a guy that didn't think I, I love, was, I think that's a fucking awesome too, <laughs> by the way, because I love Bobby. I've got, I have the fucking privilege of meeting him. Yeah. Uh, always was a fan of his, his work as an environmentalist. And yep. then especially when he started diving into vaccine safety, I was just like, yeah, man. Cause I had looked into that, uh, a lot as I got into health and wellness and, and studying Paul Check's work and, uh, the Weston A. Price Foundation. But really, when but when we had Bear in the Womb, it was like, all right, push is coming to shove here. And I had yeah. a, a vision on ayahuasca where I asked the question, is this the route we go? Is it Western medicine? And Aya showed me just this fucking gorgeous, the, the most beautiful evolution of nature in, in a very fast time lapse and said, I'm your kitchen, I'm your pharmacy. And so... You know, then I wanted, and knowing we got parents and different people that would need more than that experience, yeah, yeah. started to look into it, read Dissolving Illusions by Dr. Susan Humphreys and a whole host of other things, and uh, and it became clear. And so we never did that with our kids, and they're fucking amazingly healthy. And I love, you know, you listen to Bobby Kennedy on Rogan's last, I love the fact that he wasn't just talking about the COVID jab, he's talking about all, all of them. them. And it's like, yep, yep, that's the same shit, dude. Susan Humphreys, MD, a lot of other people that laid this out that aren't well known. He's quoting him. Uh, Mark Gober is going to come back on the podcast. He's an excellent author, um, Ivy League guy, and he just wrote The End Upside Down Medicine and okay. just fucking details all this stuff. Gets into Dr. Thomas Cowan and many of the greats that I've learned from. So yeah, that's a huge one too. But yeah, the uh, Bobby is just fucking incredible, man. When he, I mean, I, 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 Aubrey and him are super close now, and I was the guy in Aubrey's ear saying, "You got to read fucking, <laughs> you got to read the real Anthony Fauci. Yeah, you must read it. You don't, don't skip it." I don't Get care into if you it. know some of it, you have to fucking dive into this because yeah. this is where we're at. This is the world that we live in and this is what we're up against. So Yeah, and so so met so same thing there. I ended up getting an invite to a, a kind of a private fundraiser in Scottsdale. So ended up got to meet Bobby. And before I would never understand all these connections and how everything kind of flows. At the end of it, we ended up talking to this gentleman. And again, I'm very new into this space, right? So I'm, I'm fucking learning. Like I'm the I'm the white belt with no stripe that barely knows how to tie the fucking belt correctly in the medicine space. But I get it enough to where I can talk about it, and I'm learning it, and I'm understanding the body and the connectivity, and you know, manifesting and putting intuition and all this shit out there. When we run into Doctor Engel's brother at Bobby's thing, didn't know who he was at the time. Obviously, fit for service, the whole nine yards, and. We're talking, he's like, yeah, you need to come up to Sedona. I was like, yeah, that's where I proposed to my wife, like Sedona. We love Sedona. And, and so to find out that Dr. Engel's brother was there, we're talking to him. He likes what we're doing. And then finding out Dr. Engel's tied to Aubrey and you and all this other stuff. And then, you know, met Jared. And it's just, it's wild to me. Like I, I literally sit down and it's like, I fucking diagram shit out. I'm like, oh, that's how this connection happened. Yeah. That's how this well, person got introduced. I don't know what, what point it came through, but there's, there is no, so it was really re, I had, had the experience of this multiple times, but the, the reintegration and installation of the understanding happened in 2021. So right after a lot of shit hit the fan, before we were able to get into this farm and, and get into regenerative agriculture and everything, knowing that the, the amount of work I was fucking saying yes to take on and the requirement of that knowledge, yeah. right? Like, holy shit, dude, I need, I need 30 years of knowledge in four different things. I don't have fucking, I don't have a month's experience at it. Yeah. And um, just did a quarterly journey 
every quarter of that year and the same thing kept coming back. There's no such thing as six degrees of separation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Only one. Yeah. And it's, and I'm seeing it now that I've paused. Now I can step back and look at this shit and go, Oh, that's why this stuff's starting to unfold. And like I said, we've been at this, it'll be two years this coming up April that we've been doing mental Joe. So in this amount of time that we've been doing this, I'm just fucking blasphemy, right? Like I remember back in Billings, Montana, watching you, watching you come on for a weigh in and all of us buddies fucking joke, just joking and laughing. They're like, McLean, this is your guy. Cause you <laughs> come the one where I put legalized gay on shorts on. Well, you, yeah, you've got your shorts <laughs> on. You got the fanny pack and I, I always got a fanny pack on the wife bust my balls for wearing a fanny pack. And I still remember like McLean, this is your guy. I was like, yeah, he's my guy. The guy's wearing fucking speedos and a fanny pack to a weigh in. Fuck. Yeah. yeah. If I could, if I could just say, you know, the fanny pack looks dope. I love the GI Joe status. <laughs> But you got to have it big enough for a conceal and carry, you know. Like this Texans, we need we need. That. So 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 funny. So I went to dinner last night with Nick from Sheep 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 Dog. Sheep yeah, yeah, all buddies, all those guys. Yeah. So just just had uh, dinner with him, and he ended up the the gr- <laughs> the gray one that you normally wear. I think uh-huh, yep. that's the one I got. So I got cool. That in the yeah, car. theirs is awesome. They got the big pull strings. This is my buddies. I mean, we're we're we had to explain this since it's just uh, audio only. Yeah. But my homie Matt Vincent, he used to have hate brand. It's now not dead yet. He, he made an EDC bag. My only complaint are the zippers, but everything else, just the zipper handles, actually, the zippers are phenomenal. They're, it's it's the best fucking, it's a white leather, so I got to fucking I love it. wipe it clean, but, and it pops, <laughs> but I mean, it, you, you can't tell anything about it. it. doesn't. It's not fucking huge. No. It still fits everything. I got room for the fucking snooze, the credit cards, the cell phone's got its own pocket, extra magazine, like, it's Snacks, it's, loaded. it's there. It's loaded, yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. loaded and doesn't look like it, you know? Yeah. So, but yeah, so it's, you know, I've, like I said, just to be sitting here and talking with you and, and even guys like Cal that are opening up the door for us to like hear our story and, and where we're trying to go with this, it's almost like pinch me, right? Like, again, three and a half years ago, I wanted to put a bullet in my brain because I didn't think I was worth anything. I didn't think I brought anything to the fucking table. I was tired of the stories in the head, you know, and now that I'm on this other side, I get it. I'm starting to see all the connections. I'm starting to understand like, this is the way. If we're going to heal America or even the world, psychedelics needs to be talked about. And we need to fucking kick that door open. Now, we got legislation. We got all this bullshit that's in front of us. But I think, I mean, you see it, right? I just feel like there's a change in tides. People are tired of the bullshit. And so we're starting to start tromping on that. And, you know, you got Bobby that's kind of knocking down that door. And you've got others that are doing the same thing because everyone's just, we're tired. I think a lot of us are tired of living in the yuck and the processed foods. And Carrie and I keep talking about maybe a year or two. All right, we're, we're going to pivot. And maybe we get out of Arizona and we go someplace where there's some land and the boys can run. We have our own chicken coop and the whole nine yards. And I tell her, I'm like, I'm fucking scared. Like, it's a lot to learn, but we'll get through it. You know, I grew up, like I said, grew up in Montana. My grandfather had a huge garden and, you know, I gardened with him. So it's, it's not far It's removed. It's there. I can still get back to it, but it's because of my past 22 years or whatnot of just living in that gray and not feeling like I could learn anything. I was scared of failure because failure to me equals some sort of punishment. So now it's no failure is a learning opportunity. And Hey, Chad, you're not going to be fucking good at anything you pick up for the first time. Yeah, that's the beautiful thing so about jujitsu, right? Yeah. Jiu-jitsu is like, I, it's funny. You meet certain people who are like, hey, you know, I did it for a while and then gave up or such and such happened and I don't do it anymore. And you're like, 
The person who stays is a lot different than that. But the main thing is, you know, and I fucking constantly when I'm coaching people and fit for service or anything, it's like, come with the beginner's mind. Yeah. Bring the beginner's mind. And with the beginner's mind, you're agreeing, you're going to fucking suck at this new thing yeah. for a while. And it's okay. <laughs> and it doesn't matter if you're good at fucking anything else. You're still, with exception, maybe wrestling, you're still going to suck at this and you're going to suck for a while. Yeah. And then you're going to suck less. Yeah. And even when you're good, you're still going to tap. You yeah. know, even when you're good, you're still going to get beat. You know, fucking black belt for, since 2016. I've still got fucking purple belts that put me in a submission. If I don't tap, I'm going to get hurt for fucking six months. So I better tap. Yeah. You know, that's a beautiful, beautiful part to that. But yeah, bringing the beginner's mind is fucking super important. And uh, dude, I, I love your story. I'm super pumped to have you here. Well, I appreciate it, man. Yeah, man. I'm going to give, I'm going to soften your, uh, your, your fear around farming here. I'm going to give you a little, <laughs> little tour of the land. Yeah. Got 120 chickens, 18 ducks, four geese. Couple donkeys, couple emus, bunch of red deer, black buck, got uh, it all. Cows, sheep, white tail. And see, we just took the boys. We were. I'm actually doing a men's retreat where we're doing equine therapy, and I teach TRE. If you're familiar yeah, with yeah, that, yeah. so I'm a TRE provider, and I teach that once a week in in the Phoenix Valley. So more and more retreats are starting to reach out because they're realizing that TRE is, you know, for those that are hearing, it's tension trauma release exercises, and it was founded, if you want to call it that, by a gentleman in the name of Dr. David Berselli. And Berselli actually lives in the Phoenix Valley. Oh, cool. So him and I will talk every now and then and whatnot. But the TRE was kind of the catalyst into, you know, me really kind of saying, okay, there's another way to live minus T the ketamine. TRE is great too from, I mean, there's a number of things, right? Everybody here that's here, hearing us beat the bandwagon on psychedelics, there are more <laughs> than one path, right? Meditation is a path. Yeah. Yoga is a path. All these different things. But, and, but they're not exclusive. Right. And I, I mean, plant medicines led me to meditate and do yoga. In Correct. fact, I kept getting that fucking message over and over again from ayahuasca. And I was yeah. like, all right, you told me this last time. All right. You told me this last time. And I was like, oh, I haven't done any of this I got to do it. Okay. Yep. Heard. And then I stopped for like two years and just practiced that and then came back to it when I was ready. But, um, you know, TRE is phenomenal before any medicine journey mm -hmm. because it's moving so much of the stored trauma in the body. It's allowing that to escape and it makes the journeys much smoother. Yeah. It's also great in the in-between. And then there'll be a certain point where, you know, I've, I've had a few friends that were kind of deep in the game with me for a while. And, you know, like we're, there's just not, there's less of a calling. It doesn't mean I'll never mm -hmm. do it again, but they you know, I did ayahuasca once last year with Ob and Aaron Rogers and a bunch of fucking awesome people. And, uh, and it was amazing. But there was a point where I always, if I had something big going on in my life, I'd have to bring that to the medicine. I have to bring that to ceremony. I need these answers. And I'm yeah. going to bring a lot to it. I'm going to write it down. It'll be my intention and I'll iron it out. And yeah. I would iron it out and get all the answers I needed and then some. And then there was a point where I realized that connection's always there. That doorway's always there. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that I don't fucking still love and respect the fuck out of the journey. Yeah. But... I don't have questions to bring the medicine anymore because I can meditate on those and contemplate them and get it on a fucking walk in nature where I'm like, aha, that's the answer. What do you think got you over that? Cause that's where I'm struggling. Like I'm, the whole setting down and meditating, I'm getting better at the whole journey journaling yeah. aspect of it, but the fucking meditation, like I still struggle with that quite a bit. It, it helps. There's a couple things that really help me. One, let's see, one is to move if I need to move, Okay. right? So if I, if I don't lift weights once or twice a week or do something, the high physical exertion, that could be boxing, kickboxing, uh, jujitsu. If I'm not doing that at least once or twice a week, I get antsy and I can't sit. 
And, uh, and I get grumpy, you know? So like, even Tasha will be like, you need to fucking work out. You know? And I'm like, yep, you're right. Sorry. You know, <laughs> Carrie does go, the same yeah. shit. Hit the gym, idiot. Yeah. And yeah. so, so I don't try to overcome that with meditation. I honor that for meditation, which is the practice of physical yoga was designed to be able to get you to sit still. That's what physical yoga was all about. So, um, honoring that I do now train way more often. I don't do a ton of shit like I used to, but I'll lift weights at least once a week. I'll run once a week. I'll hit kickboxing and boxing once a week. I'll do jujitsu once a week or twice. Um, and the, the layering of that allows me to effectively move energy and dump because I need that outlet. And then I can sit still. And typically I find that meditating in the, in the afternoon is my best time. You know, and the teacher that I had, Emily Fletcher is phenomenal. Um, you can learn through her at zivameditation.com. I don't have an affiliate link or anything, but she's incredible. And they have like a, a series of videos that you watch that will bridge the gap on why you're doing it. And and mm. and just listening to the podcast, because the first podcast we did, I really tried to extract that okay. for people. She, she's you're not trying to quiet the mind. Like she dispels a ton of fucking, you know, misinformation. And that's there where it's thing, at. Like I'm right? sitting there going, why can't my mind shut off? <laughs> yeah, what the so she, fuck? Goes, she goes, it's like yeah. trying to drop your heart rate to zero. Yeah. Okay. Your heart's designed to beat. Yeah. Period. Your mind is designed to think. You're not mm. going to, the, the, when's your heart rate going to be zero? When you're dead. Yep. When's your mind going to go to zero? When you're dead, dead. Right. She uses yeah. that exact analogy. So it offers a way to look at meditation differently that I think makes you more effective at it. Okay. And then you let go of grading yourself. That's another piece, there right? Go. There's no yeah. great job. She's like, yeah. if you're meditating for 20 minutes and 18 of it, you're thinking the whole th- about life and doing all this shit and you only come to stillness in the last two, mm. that's not a failure. That's a victory. Yeah. It's an absolute victory. That right? makes sense, yeah. You know, and the brain, the neuroplasticity of it is like a muscle. The more you train that mechanism, there's a great, great book uh, on Audible on the great courses. I forget the name of it. It's on uh, like the science of mindfulness or the science of meditation. And it's mind-blowing because it's connecting, you know, Western science with mm-hmm. the benefits of these things and showing how the brain literally changes physical and, and you know, it's the hardware and the software that gets changed. Okay. It's the practice of that. Um, but I think, you know, if you just, de- it's really about dedicating the time to do it. But I would, I would look into her online classes. She's exceptional. I got to do um, face-to-face with her. And, um, you know, that changed the scope of how I meditate before I had a lot of trouble. I tried different things. Um, one other tool that I like is there's a small book by Dr. Wayne Dyer, um, called getting into the gap and it includes chanting and chanting is phenomenal because chanting actually tones the vagus nerve. So when we think about, you know, reverse engineering, talking with Andrew Huberman about this breath, you can reverse engineer your mental state, right? You can, you can double the exhale. So you got eight seconds or four seconds in, eight seconds out. These different types of breath work will shift you from sympathetic to para- parasympathetic. parasympathetic sympathetic, right? yep. So you go, you get to go to from fight or flight to rest and digest. And uh, toning will do the same thing. And and Jamie Wills, you know, one of my one of my good homies, and he's always talking about how like we're basically a worm. We've got this tube with a with a mouth and a butthole, and that whole thing that from from entrance to exit is right where this beautiful nerve system goes and he goes both ways in, <laughs> you go in through the ass or you go in through the <laughs> mouth, that's going to tone that nerve. Yeah. But chanting uh, without doing butt stuff is an excellent quick way to do that. And the thing in, in Wayne Dyer's book, Getting in the Gap, is you're just using the ah sound. Okay. And he goes like, it's in all, all names for God, God, Yahweh, Allah. Uh, and he just goes down the list. But Anytime you think, you take a deep breath in and then go, ah, full length. 
If you need to do a second one, do it. If you need to do a third one, do it. And then when you have erased the thought from the chant, you go back to your breath. You're not focused on the breath. You just stop. And it's, it's getting yourself into that gap of no, of no mind that you keep doing when you notice the mind. Uh, and, and what's beautiful is there's, a, there's a, an acoustic cue for you to silence the mind. It gives you something to do, to like, a, like a concentration it. or a focus point, like, yeah. like staring at a candle. Um, but it's also toning. It's also doing this thing that shifts the nervous system in a way like TRE does okay. because we're physical beings, yep. right? And so I think that's an excellent hack and that's something I'll still do on occasion, uh, usually at the beginning. And so Emily's got the three M's, mindfulness, meditation, and manifestation. Mm. In the first couple of minutes of every 22-minute session, she has you start with less, but the first two minutes for me are mindfulness. Where am I sore? How does my body feel in this position? Mm. I can move in. Let me breathe into this a little bit, right? Let me, I'm allowed to focus on my breath. I'm allowed to stretch a little bit and move and just settle back in. And I can chant then if I need to, if I'm feeling like choppy breath, I can take a deep breath and do the ah chant or the om chant. And then that resets the nervous system. Now I can meditate for the bulk for 18. And then the last two minutes from the meditative state, I enter into Dispenza's work with manifestation. Okay. Where I, I see it, feel it, touch it, believe it as if, already, as if it is already so. And I've done that with a lot of shit. Like you read Becoming Supernatural. That, that I got to get a list he, of this fu- these fucking books. He's <laughs> awesome. He's awesome. But I think Emily is, she's not the missing link because he does a lot of meditation technique as well. But like her meditation match with that is next level. Okay. So. Okay. Yeah, well, I'll, I, I'll link to all this shit in the show notes for people listening. Ziva okay. Meditation and, uh, you know, the books. Uh, and Dispenza, you know, I've had a lot of clients that go to his workshops and they're completely fucking changed. Yeah, I got a, I got a buddy right now, um, former SEAL Tommy Aceto. Uh, wild, you'd fucking love this guy. He's, he's a wild fucking character. I mean, he's in the medicine space real deep, but he's doing some stuff with Dispenza right now. I think he's actually creating a whole protocol um, off of Dispenza's stuff to work with veterans and first responders. Whoa. So him and Dispenza are kind of working on that too. So I think that's fucking pretty wild. Fuck yeah. yeah, I'd love to. I mean, Joe's doing great shit. And he also realizes like he's he's got to get as many people as possible with the skill set to do this on their own yep. before he's gone. You know, it's so like he's he's full throttle. And uh, that's that's I admire the fuck out of him for that. That's kind of how I feel about TRE. It's like, that's why I tell people, like, if I go teach it at a retreat or something like that, like, hey, just make sure I got a hot and a cot and I'll fucking come teach you because, like, this is something we all should have in our fucking toolbox, yeah. right? Because the meditation, right, for me, that I couldn't slow the mind. That's right. It was that negative connotation. Like, oh, I can't slow the mind. I'm itchy. Like, okay, I can't do meditation. Screw it. So that's why TRE spoke to me so much Mm because it's like, okay, I can release this and my mind can still go. But if I can control the breath and allow the body to shake and get rid of what it needs to, we can move forward at a a different rate. Yeah. And those those are, you know, layers as you're working through layers of trauma that's stored in the body. But at the same time, all these are stackable. When you talk about having the medicine bag, there's a time and a place for holotropic breath work. Mm-hmm. There's a time and a place for chanting. There's a time and a place for TRE. There's a time and a place for all of these things. And they can be layered in different ways. And it's really, it's, it's similar to diet. You know, there's no one right diet. There's a right diet for you and there's a right diet for me. Yeah. And that will change over time. Yeah. It really changes over time for women every 28 days, but also through pregnancy, through the different stages, uh, pre-motherhood, motherhood, and then uh, postmenopausal. 
that can change dramatically for yeah. them. But it also does for men, and it's listening to that that allows us to always be in right relation with our body. Yeah. So you, for you, it may be TRE is the fucking best thing on earth for five fucking years. Yeah. And then, yeah, the shit, something leaves, and all of a sudden you can sit still. Yeah. That may be it. I don't know. But, but playing with these different modalities and seeing what works... And, and Ziva may not for you. I've got, a, I've got a client that just didn't vibe. He met Emily, loves her. He's looking for something else. Yeah. Um, I, everyone that I've switched on to Ziva other than him has just been 10 out of 10. This changed my fucking life. So yeah. the odds are that it is going to pan out. But um, th- there are you know many, many, many ways up the mountain. So just as long as you stay dialed in to listening to what the needs are and then yep. seeking those out. You will find it's yep. guaranteed. It, it is written. You yeah, see, and that's, find. yeah, and that's what I found out. Right, instead of fighting against everything, like I've, again going with the flow, like understanding. Okay, I'm on the other side of this mountain. I can still hear the negative bullshit. Right, it's on the other side of the mountain. That is still there. But now with plant medicine, I have the ability to tune in to say, slow the fuck down. It's there. That's not who you are. Stop diverting back to that bullshit, and let's keep moving forward. You know, like the, uh, Carrie and I, we did an MDMA session up in Sedona and that connectivity of me and her, like for the first time, like for her to like sit there and just look at me and say, I get you. I see you now. Like, holy fuck. And that's when I knew like, okay, this stuff is so profound that we need to talk about this and we need to elevate all this shit to a higher level. I mean, MDMA, right. It's hope, hopefully going to be legal this year for therapeutics. Um, so that's, you know, with maps and now that, what is it? Lucas, Lucas Locos group or something mm. maps ended up changing their name and got a hundred million dollars, um, from this group. So mm. maps now is part of, I think it's Lucas or Locos or something like that. Okay. But Hopefully not Lucas oil. No, 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 <laughs> definitely not that it's, it's spelt, well, it's spelt weird. I can't remember how it's even where, spelled, uh, but where can people get a hold of some apparel? Where can people find you online yeah. to stay in touch with you and, and, uh, and, you know, pick your brain on, yeah. on best best practices. Yeah, so we're Facebook, uh, Instagram, big Instagram in that arena, but it's at Mental Joe Apparel. And then we're launching a, a new website in the next two weeks. So if you go on the website currently, it's it's kind of kind of hokey to my opinion, um, but it's just mentaljoe.com. Cool. Very simple. Um, we're slowly getting onto TikTok and all these other things, but I just... I hate social media, but I also know it's a, it's a thing that we need to kind of drive our business and stuff. But yeah, I'm, I'm not a fan of it. So we're slowly getting into all these other platforms, but I'd say we have the, our, our biggest following, if you will, you know, organically growing that bitch in a year and a half. But that's, that's where I do most of the stuff. Carrie takes care of Facebook and a lot of that other stuff and even Instagram, but yeah, metal, metal Joe apparels really awesome. easy. Awesome brother. Well, fuck Chad. It's been excellent having you here and I can't wait to show you around. Kyle, I appreciate you brother. Thank you so much. All right.